G'day all, and thanks for listening to the Football Podcast. You're here with Ash and Garns, and we're here to talk all things AFL and NBA, plus more. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. G'day all, and thanks for listening to the Football Podcast. You're here with Ash and Garns, and we're here to talk all things AFL and NBA, plus more. Ash, the footy is back. Round one, AFL men's. We went Friday night, Collingwood vs. St. Kilda. I'm a bit hoarse from the game. I was yelling and screaming, carrying on like a pork chop and celebrating like all fans should after the game with their team wins. Yep. But um, excellent, excellent showing by the AFL with pretty much close games except for Essendon. And we'll get we'll touch on Essendon a bit later in the pod. But um, no, for, we'll start with... Uh, we. we Covered Wednesday night when we did the pod last time, but Thursday yep. night, Richmond Carlton, Paddy Cripps yep. got the ten votes. Carlton from... finally, yeah. they finally broke their their voodoo. Maybe this is the season they finally actually break through and and get through to where they should be and and possibly where they where they um yeah probably should have been for the last few seasons. But in saying that, now they've been a bit derailed as well. Just going on Carlton just before we get into the game, but yeah, with coming Voss. into yeah with Voss and um, Jack Martin now two more staff members as well have yeah. now gone into quarantine, so they're going to be without pretty much their whole coaching staff and and Jack Martin, and then who knows if other players and that are going to come up positive in the next couple of days. Yeah, it, like we we both know what COVID does, how it can just be so slow of getting it after being exposed, but. I want to just touch on Carlton more so than Richmond. Um, I found that their system was a lot faster, a lot more intent to get the ball inside 50 because that's where the game's going. Um, But it showed that it can handle the pressure because they came from behind in the last quarter and it it showed that if they stick to to that structure that they've been working on all preseason, 
you get results. And it wasn't against a slouch opposition in Richmond. Like, I, I really fancy Richmond this year. Yep. And Richmond put on a clinic in that first quarter and the third. Yeah, which which that's the other thing I wanted to talk about as well. Yeah. The momentum swings for this, for especially this first round, have been absolutely ridiculous. Yep. There's just, like, so we've seen it in the grand final rematch. We've seen it on Thursday night. We've seen it in the Collingwood Saints game. So that was the first three nights and <clears> just <throat> momentum swings galore of just who's going to end up on top because both teams are, you could say both teams played well because both teams had two quarters apiece, really. Yep. Like it was just a matter of who had the better who quarters. Really, yeah. yeah. And yeah, who capitalized. And then, yeah, like um, Carlton just shows they've recruited exactly what they needed to stock up their midfield, which is what they were really lacking in the last two seasons. We know they've got great players in Weedering and um, Sam Doherty and everyone like that in their back line. They've got um, forwards in Charlie Curnow finally being on the field actually provides a massive target for them. Obviously, Casbolt has been, but then you still have Pano, Harry Mackay. Um, and the one that never gets mentioned is Jack Silvani. He is an insane link-up player for them because if Curnow or Mackay or someone isn't down the line, he is the next guy and he provides an amazing contest and brings the ball to ground when he probably shouldn't a lot of the time. He's a prototypical big tall forward. He can play on the ground. He can play in the air. He's but not. He's a master. He's not a master of all. I wouldn't trades. say he's he a big Jack tall forward. Like a big tall forward either. He's yeah. probably only maybe six three. Yeah. So well, back in the day, that would have been the right yeah, But yeah. No, in all honesty, though, like Carlton really, really did fantastic. And I want to just also touch on Sam Doherty. Yeah. Bout of cancer. Fights through through leukemia, and he comes in, kicks a massive bomb outside fifty. Yeah, the team gets around it. Is we talked about momentum swings. That was it. Yeah, that, that was, was that was a massive one. key moment in the game. It's, I think that was in the second quarter, was it, or was that the last? Yeah, I think it was in the last um, the last quarter. He actually played really well. He you did. Can, it goes to show that these are professional athletes. They put the training and the eating and the dieting right. He just had chemo. Like I see people struggle yep. through chemo, and he just. He played an AFL game of footy. Like, yep. and he, he, I thought he was very, very good as well. And last thing before we move on to anything else we want to talk about, Cripps is back. <laughs> yeah. About bloody time. That was that was devastating watching last year, and he just wasn't probably performing how we expected him to perform. And But now, like, he was he was unbelievable. He looks back healthy. Back to his best. And it, the fend-off, like, with the rule that if you fend-off and you get tackled, that's your prior gone. He was so quick with the fend-off and the handball. Yeah. Very, very good. I want to touch on Friday night just a little, not too yep. much. I know you don't really want to talk about Collingwood, but it was good to see another day cost, another place play really well. But I want to talk about a St Kilda player in Hayes. I was, was going to skip Collingwood altogether and go straight to Jack Hayes because he was, he was unbelievable. So... We both went to the game, and then yep. I'm addicted to footy like you are, but you played footy where I had a bit of time. I actually watched the replay, yep. and he looked better in the replay than what he did live. <laughs> like You really, really noticed him. He front, got front position against Grundy 90% of the times that he was in yep. the right. Rowan Marshall looked, looked like the rookie. Well, he looked like Rowan Marshall. Like He was that good, and he was making impacts. Darcy Moore went to punch the ball out of his hands, and he held strong. Um, Jeremy Howe went to fly over him, but he pushed Jeremy Howe back and took a strong mark as well. That's a mature age of pro. It just goes to show like the VFL and the um, state leagues are producing out talent where AFL's overlooked in the in the past and yeah, it's coming and, up yeah. good. And it shows that like if you keep performing and keep like you still have a chance, but 
yeah, for a guy to come in and do that, it's it's a bit hard to believe that he was he was missed as well, which it, which really makes you wonder like what what was actually the defining factor of him missing. But well, it could it be his personality? Like anything yeah, could happen in scouts and yeah. stuff like that. But he he for me was um, the bright spark in St Kilda. But I think it was Lee Montagna who said a guy that's only been there for three months. Being your best player at round one goes to show where the club is at right now. And I think that's that rings true. We looked at the list. We both think that Collingwood had a bit more A graders in there. Yeah. And yeah, they only lost by 17. But let's be honest, Collingwood's gone through a rebuild. St. Kilda should be pushing for finals. Yeah. That was a game they should have won in at home, crowd nice and loud, full of confidence. Yeah. You should have won that. That's my thing. And you can't let a guy that's yeah. played um uh, been on the list for three months be your best player on the get ground. And yeah. I thought Jack still went quiet a bit throughout the game. Yeah. Like, he had patches of brilliance, but he yeah. still went quiet. But once again, that, that comes down to those A-graders, and, and we discussed it before the game as well. Who's their other midfielders? If we shut down Jack you know, if Collingwood shut down Jack Steele, which kind of happened, obviously he still had a reasonable game, but he didn't have his a, a game a game of his lofty standards yeah. of last season and stuff. So... He, come, he comes in, he doesn't quite perform, and they're lacking that midfield presence like they were. And that's that's the thing of St Kilda. They don't have that next superstar. They don't have that next even star. Like, they've just got those B, B graders and, yep. like, they don't like may, maybe was, a B plus. Crouch like, was yeah. went missing. Yeah. Um, Sinclair had a few moments, but I wouldn't put him in the B grade. Like, he's more of a high C. Yeah. And then um, the other player, I had his name in my head. I'm Jade Gresham. Or Jade Gresham, thank you. Come back from injury, you can't expect him to be, be dominant. Like, yeah. Which he was very, very good, very fit as well, but he wasn't yeah. the B and all end all. And Max King needs help. Like, yes, memory kicked goals, but you need another big, yeah. not memory and Kent to try and... Yeah, but that's where hopefully that Jack Hayes or something like that yeah. can come in and play that role for him. Um, I really want to get to this. I've, I've been... I've been hanging on to this as soon as it happened, just obviously over the weekend of the Frio, yep. the Frio um, Adelaide game. Firstly, well done to Adelaide getting that close to to a Fremantle side that I'm tipping to go very well this season. They played a very good brand of footy and they actually looked very impressive. They definitely outplayed them for the whole second half until about ten, 10 minutes, minutes left, left in the last quarter, and then Frio all of a sudden found form again. Came hard, got a point in front, and then on the goal line with three seconds to go, Heath Chapman spoils the ball back into play in a one-on-one contest where I don't actually know who the Adelaide player was right. trying to. He was trying to shepherd, doing everything he possibly could to get Heath Chapman out of the way because it was going in. Yeah, and he spoils the ball not for a point, back into play to save. So it's not even a draw, draw. and it's a. It's a win for Freeman yeah. coming into into the opening round of the season, and, and that that builds confidence because they were down and out for you, yeah. and they went bang, 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 bang. That's something you can ride the wave with for the next round. Yeah, but it also goes to show that um, uh, that again, it's like Carlton when their backs against the wall, they turn back to their structure. It's effective. It can work. I'm a bit apprehensive with Freo, though, because they did play an Adelaide team. Yes, they came out and Raquel, Raquel, Rochelle? Yeah, I, I think it's Rochelle yeah. or Rochelle. Rochelle, Rochelle. Yeah. yeah, it is Rochelle. He dominated. and he's, he, was, he, he was good. He was everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> but you can't let a first gamer be the best player to beat you. 
well, he got nine coaches' votes as well, mind you. So he was pretty dominant he for was. for a young player. But yep. um, Frio, yes, you get the win, you got some momentum going in, but that can't happen again. You yeah. you dominated the first half. You should have put the game away. You came out sloppy in the third, and then Adelaide fought back. My thing is with Frio in that game. Freo nearly lost that game. No, Adelaide didn't win it. Freo would have lost that. Yeah. Freo saved that that, that game. That, that could potentially could um, save their season. What I mean by save their season, saving the confidence of the season. Yeah. Because well, that's a must win. The thing with Fremantle as well, and Adelaide had a lot of players out as well. And I'm yeah. not I'm not defending the players and stuff either, but Freo had Freo had an Nafife and X Brownlow medalist. They had Darcy. Sean Darcy, who is probably looking like possibly going to be the number one, like he was looking like possibly being the number one Ruckman this season of how he finished off last yep. season. He got into some serious form. Um, then Arguably two of their best players and, in, in most and you And they're also missing the leading goal kicker from last season. In, in, that, in Yeah, in Tabernacle. Yeah. So you have those three and... They're very important players. Yeah, all, all three <clears throat> are very, very important. I'm not saying that Adelaide's players weren't... At, you could say they were just as important. They had some good players out in Laird and Tex Walker and everything like that. But you, if you look at the players like that, those guys can turn the game back onto their terms, and that's what they were. That's what they were lacking, and it shows that Fife is still probably required in the midfield to get them back on track. Like Sarong sort of went missing for a quarter and a bit. Oh, Rachel kind of kind of went missing for a quarter and a bit, and that's when Adelaide was purely on top and they couldn't fight back the momentum. And at poor all. Mundy is old. You can't expect him to do everything yeah. he did ten years ago because it just didn't. <laughs> like he Mundy was very good again. He was yeah. very very good. But on that point of you saying they lost their three players, imagine if Melbourne lost Gorn, Petrarca, their two best most important players in a ruckman and a midfielder, and Tom McDonald. Yeah. Or Ben Brown after his form on, on yep. Wednesday night. Like, I understand that, but they they had enough talent that's played without those three for a long period of time. Yep. They could have adapted to the game. And they're lucky they won that because there would have been a lot of questions asked and Long Muir would have. Would have oh, yeah, lost he, it. Was, uh, he yeah. wasn't too happy. <laughs> no, I want We're going to go back to a Sunday night game. I want to talk about. I know you Saturday did, or Sunday? Sunday. It was a Sunday game. I, yeah. I want to go back to the Sunday game. I know you didn't watch much of it, but you and I were texting a bit with Gold Coast versus Eagles. Yep. Matt Rowe's back. That's yeah. all I'm going to say. Yeah. Ten clearances in a game, and Tuuk Miller got, I think it was like seven clearances as well. Yeah. So that their midfield and Wits matched Nat Nui. Wits gets lost in the conversation of the best Ruckman. I think he, really, he actually really does, and I was big on that. He was a massive loss from that for them last season. Yep. Obviously... They didn't even have a backup last season to to even cover that as well. But he is their captain as well. So yeah. he clearly provides a lot of leadership for them. And he's their number one ruckman by a long, long way. And obviously they've stopped they've um rejigged their stocks a little bit for that, getting Casbolt yeah. and Chol, like they have at least a and little bit. And now Mac Andrews with that. Yeah, piece. and they have that at least a little bit of backup, but you know, you still need your number one guy in there and and if he's giving Rao, Tukmiller, David Swallow, those Rankin as well, those sorts of guys, the the first look. I mean, they can, they're, you they're can see what they can do. Yeah. Like they're they're going they're going to go a long way this season, basically. So, but yeah, I, I think you wanted to talk about Essen and Geelong. Let's um, yeah, let's have a look at that because that was the that was probably the one real letdown for the for the uh, for the season opening weekend. But 
my my big thing to start it off is I kind of peeped it with Essendon. I, I really don't as much as that I don't know why people are tipping them to go so well this season. They I think they had a bit of a fluke year last year with Stringer, with um Darcy Parrish, those sorts of guys literally playing out of their skin like they found form in the right time at the right yeah, moment. Yeah, exactly. And they they utilized it. They didn't they didn't let it go to waste either. And they they sort of came came hard. But like they still haven't won a final. Like realistically, they haven't won a final. So yeah, what? Let let let's be honest. They made the finals on the back of Richmond getting injuries. They made the finals with um, uh, Freo shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah, Eagles shooting themselves in the foot. So Essendon with that eight. Uh, not the eight. Who who finished eighth? Were they eighth? Yeah, they were. Yeah, eighth. they finished eighth on pure base of the good teams losing players and not getting into the finals. They got that spot. So I I agree with you. Their um their ability to sneak into a final off someone else isn't represent uh what's going to represent their season. They get a harder draw as well. And they start off with a hot Geelong side. And they did move the ball quite fast. They definitely changed things up, yep. but still so, so good behind the ball. Yeah, and and I think Geelong's come out to prove a point as well, a bit of people writing them off. And I'm I, one of them. I, I wasn't one. I will I will say that. I wasn't one to write them off because I really think that they're still a very good side. You can't have the same players as what performed really well last season. Obviously, they didn't go that well in the finals, but I think a lot of their old guys started to get a bit tired. They... They were struggling for form back end of the year as well, so they they really struggled at that point at that point of time. But having the players that they have, they've, they've got players everywhere. They've they got they've got star players. Dangerfield back in the midfield, he's looking fresh. He looks he's looking, healthy. He's like, looking good again, like Cruz. And once again, if if an ex Brownlow medalist, Fife, um, Danger, and then and Dusty. then a, an up and coming superstar of, in Crips, like these guys, they're they are absolute team changers. It's not game changers. They're full team changers. That they you can't you can't write a team off that has stars like that in your team. They're not they're not stars like that for no reason. So if he's up and running, it's going to be a massive year for John. I'm telling you right now. No, I agree, but I just want to touch on one of the positive signs: Nick Martin again, another yeah. mature age recruit. Yeah. Um, it goes to show. Like, I'll tell you if, what, this just before you get fully into it, these are. There's a, some amazing debuts this weekend. Yeah. Like some yeah. serious, serious debuts this weekend. Sorry, continue. No, no, no. It, oh, it was actually going to leave. It was Stengel for Geelong, his first game. Yep. After getting delisted by Adelaide. Yep. West Coast didn't want a part of him. He's from WA and he's doing this. Yeah. This is like it goes to show that you know, no matter what your off field issues are, like Nick Martin had it. That's why he didn't get drafted yep. early. You persevere, you push through, you change your mentality, you change your habits. Teams will give you that second chance. And if you're good enough, like Nick Martin is, because he he did not look out of place. He looked like he deserved to be in that game. Yep. Against a very hot Geelong. And he was a, another, again, a bright spark. Another <laughs> another point to what you were just saying before. Thank you. Can't, you can't have a guy in the first game of their AFL career come in and be your best player. Like, I mean, Gold Coast had it with Rao and they and they won and stuff when he first got drafted. But the hype but, behind Rao was a bit different to yeah. mature age players who haven't yeah. been in the AFL system in teams that are predicted to make finals. Yeah. Completely different scenario. And Matt Rao was the saviour of Gold Coast. They yeah. dubbed him the saviour. That's so. true. 
I'm if for mature age recruits come out and dominated for you, that you've got to have, scratch your head and go, what's going on here? But no, uh, thanks for bringing up the um, point again because it, for me, it just rules a line out of Essendon because of any chance of winning the grand final. Because if that's your best player who's been on your list for three months, yeah, you ain't winning the grand final unless that person is the next dusty danger, which, look, kicking five goals, 27 disposals, yeah. is very yeah. dusty in five bloody um, uh, stats-wise yeah. and danger. But a whole season will, will show and they'll get a bit more vision, a bit more... Um, exposure from other teams, put some more time and work. Yeah, exactly. It. There's a bit more of not sure what's going on. That's why I think Jack Hayes might stand up a bit higher than sort of Nick Martin and those sort of guys, just purely because he's a big. He can he can get his own big contested grabs. You can't you can't really put a lot of work into that unless you're double teaming and, yeah. and that's creating options for others. But where Nick Martin, he's he's won a lot of ball and and everything like that. But if they put a defensive um, like a defensive player on him and and really run with him. How's he going to deal with that when he's got a bit more uh, work and they sort of know what they're dealing with as well? Yep. Uh, but yeah. Speaking of impressive debuts, Juan Francis, impressive, not so impressive, yeah. or just enough? Let's uh, let's take a quick break and then we'll come All back right. into Juan Francis. So Ash, we're just saying before the break, Juan Francis was an impressive start debut, just about right for a rookie. Good to see some normality in the system where the last five years we've been gifted with number one picks just bursting out in the scene or not good enough. I wouldn't say not good enough. I thought he was still he's still a um a talent. Yeah, still a talent. Like it wasn't it wasn't a bad game by any means. It wasn't a it wasn't a great game or it wasn't an amazing game. It was just a it was just a really good game. Like he just had a good game. It was a good all round game. He kicked a goal, uh, probably should have kicked another. Uh Went in really hard. Uh, probably, probably struggled to find his feet a little bit early, um, and struggled to find um, that sort of touch and and re- probably get himself and assert himself into the game. But you seen as the game went on, he really found his feet and he started he started probably playing how he would have usually played against sort of his own age group and and that sort of stuff. So coming into the seniors seniors and playing against a full senior squad, AFL standard, uh, yeah. So. It might have just been that little bit of a um, find his feet first and then get get himself going. But I think you could definitely see him really taking off at some stage. Get it like if he'll he'll have a game where he grabs everything, um, like doesn't fumble and hits all his targets, and then we'll then we'll see it. Like it is there. He'll he'll have he'll have a game like that. Like we can definitely see it's coming, but it might take a few more weeks. Um, if you put him in line with Dacos, I think, I think the difference between the two is the players around them. And if you look at it like, like this, is North's gone a full rebuild, so they've got a lot of young players, and then a, a couple of their senior guys out. Obviously, they lose Robbie Tarrant from last season. Uh, ben Cunnington is out with his cancer treatment, um, so you got you got a, a few of their senior guys and their next sort of senior guys are sort of, obviously you got uh, Jack Siebel, but then your next senior guys are kind of, um, oh, what's his name? Yeah. Like Jai Simpkin yeah. and stuff like that. And Todd Goldstein, they're, they're the next senior guys and they're not the guys that are going to. They're gonna, in full rebuild mode. Yeah, they're not going to, they're not the guys that are going to protect him. They're not the guys that are going to know how to help this young kid out, find his feet. 
Uh, whereas Nick Dacos has a Scott Pendlebury, Taylor Adams, side uh, Steel Sidebottom, all guys that have come into the league and and had that exact same thing where they've got had people they've they've needed to find their feet early and um, he had those guys and those guys that Nick Dacos turned a, turned the ball over in the first five minutes and gave uh, St Kilda their first their first goal. goal and his head went straight down but you're seen straight away. Three or four Collingwood players, players go straight to him and pretty much say, "Get your head, get your head up, get your head up." He got he got the ball not long after, hit his next target, and away he went. Yeah, basically. So that that <clears> was the difference, and you could see it in the, the difference between the teams of the senior guys knowing how to look after their new recruit coming in. Basically, yeah, I, I'm in agreement. They're in total different scenarios, and it's an old, like, let's be honest, they're the two. They were the two number ones, like they were yeah. arguing for half. Yeah, a exactly. Yeah. So, but Dacos has the external pressure. One playing for Collingwood. Yeah. Like that's hard enough playing for Collingwood. The yeah. expectation playing for Collingwood, but then you add on the legacy of his name on top yeah. of that, and he has to deliver because his dad delivered that expectation. Yeah. Like that's where so Savani, um, Jack Savani, Jack Savani is struggling with. Or I think a little. Because if he, he struggled early, he's yeah. starting to find his own. His but if own he didn't have that name, yeah, we would just think, yeah, he'll be all right. Like, yeah, he's just we're, a, we're not comparing him to his in. grandfather or his father. Yeah. So this is where and Horn Francis in in a rebuild. Let's face it, North Melbourne's no Collingwood in terms of um, fan Fans support. Yeah. Um. So there's no pressure on Horn Francis to be the savior right now. Like they're just. They've got given him time. Yep. He has time. Where Dacos is on a short leash. If he doesn't deliver in the next two years, like there's going to be trouble. And they're playing in different spots, half back and half forward. So yep. that's my other difference. But I am in total agreement with you. Dacos has the experience and the knowledge from A grade talent, whereas where, where's Juan Francis, A grade talent. Yeah. Top he's he's learning it. Yeah. He's, he's going to have to learn it himself, really. So. And there's players that have been in, in Dacos's position, being a high pick, and had to deliver in. Penderbury, Cyborg, Adams, Grundy, Moore, being yeah. Degoe even. Uh, from all accounts, Degoe's really looked after that Dacos and just teaching yeah. him and Josh and they're getting around him and they're creating this vibe around yeah. the team. So I am I like both of them. I think both of them, you can you can generally see it. And I, I can pencil Horn Francis for a brown though in the next 10 years because he's got something. He's got that big body like Crips, but yeah. explosion pace like a bloody Chris Judd out of the blocks. Yeah. See, I, I'd, I'd probably more look at him like a danger field where he can he he actually yeah, gets perfect. up, he actually flies for his marks, he really really launches at them. He he's really hard when it goes down on the ground, like he's trying to use his leg, uh, like his quads and everything like that to power through the contest. Same as like Chris Judd and Gary Ablett used to do as well. But Dangerfield right now is probably the the biggest one right now that does it. But you know, like he, you could see that he does it. So I think eventually he's going to develop into a midfielder that goes forward and plays probably at that 70-30 split and, and yeah. really take, tears games apart. Yeah, Dacos, Dacos looks to me like he's going to be – he'll go into the midfield eventually, but he'll be a real accumulator and, and hopefully he'll be more of a uh, skills-based accumulator and really try and find find those targets. Yeah. And, and hit those hit those ones like a Penderbury sort of thing. Yeah, I agree with that. That's probably the best one to really comparison yeah. to him. But he's got a bit more toe than the old Pendles. But um, <laughs> uh, last thing on the AFL, oh, it's a bit of a, a downer. The fans at the games didn't really hit 
high crowd attendance. Is that the fear of COVID, you reckon? Or just... I see. I, I thought the crowds are still pretty good. Obviously, even the game Marvel's we went to, loud. even we the game we went to, like the atmosphere was insane. Yeah. Like there was just people like chants. There was crowds going off. The the Peking Duck concert before the game as well. That was awesome too. Like just the fact that they had it there. Like it was a bit like a grand final atmosphere. Like obviously not as many people, but it was. It was insane just to have that there, like people getting around that. Like the crowd was already massive an hour before the game. Like, yeah. Which we couldn't get a car spot. <laughs> yeah, which, yeah. Which was awesome. So, like, just the fact that they're bringing that sort of stuff in, and that's that's another thing that could bring the crowds and and everything like that. And if they do stuff like that, like that was all, that was awesome. Like it was like going to a concert and then having a footy game afterwards. Yeah. Like, and it was a good game. It was a very. It was, good it was game. an awesome game. So. Well, we're gonna s- switch. Genders, we'll go to the women's. The first, we'll yep. talk about North Melbourne versus Freo. Yep. And you're completely right. Once Freo got their guns back and Antonio's, they got Bowers back, they got Hayley Miller some support, they got, um, uh, uh, I said Antonio's, uh, Houghton back as well. Yep. They punished North Melbourne with 39 63, I think it was. 31 69. Yeah. Yeah. Punished them. Yep. Just at half time. Before halftime, you could feel the trend was going Freo's way, and then right at the end, um, right at the start of the third quarter, Bowers went bang bang. Two clearances, two inside fifties, two goals. Yep. Start of the third, killed all North Melbourne's hopes and dreams, and Riddell just got absolutely annihilated. She got pounded yep. every time she touched the ball, even if she got rid of it. There was a tackle that yep. followed through on top. And that of was it. that was a thing I was going to um, bring up. I think they've really targeted that. That she's she was their creator for the season. Um, she was the one that got them really going. She was the one that kept them going throughout the season, even when Keone wasn't playing too well at the start. And Jasmine Garner and, and Jazzy Garner before. wasn't going like as well as probably we anticipated them going. But Ash Riddell was the one to keep them keep them in there, and she was like really, really bringing the ball back to North and and getting it at all costs. And Frio targeted that, and to keep her to twenty three disposals as much as still a really good effort by Riddell to still have 23 disposals the fact that they put so much time in and and I think she averaged close to 30 for the season and she's now only got 23 in the final and and that's probably been a big key factor to Frio winning and yeah Frio Frio like I said I you can't write them off because they they were pretty much the one of the best teams all, all season, season. They had a bit of a slip, COVID and a couple of injuries, Bowers being suspended for the two weeks. Like it was just a sort of a four or five week period where they just really struggled to get all of their players on the park. And and at the moment with the AFL double, as we know, if you lose one or two of your star players, you look at Collingwood, they lost pre David, Brit Benici. They lost a couple of their star players and it really affects your team. Like you, you can still compete. But you're not where you probably want to be. Like at the start, we thought Collingwood was going to be a really main contender for the flag. Now we're sort of we kind of think they're filling up the numbers a little bit in the yeah. finals, and we don't think we don't think they're a chance against the top tier teams in Adelaide, Melbourne, Brisbane, and I would put Freo in there. Well, lucky for Freo now because on. Hey, folks! I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft tissues 
your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Collingwood, that the game got pushed back a week. So Freo get a week off. Yep. They get travel home. They sleep in their own beds for a week. They come back, play a red-hot Melbourne side, which that final at Casey Fields with um, uh, the girls, uh, Melbourne Demons versus Freo, which would be a very, very two complete different styles of play. Yep. And it'd be red hot. And is this year Freo finally make a grand final? Because the win obviously goes in the grand final. But they've got all their main players back. Yep. And the, the fact that they've missed out in the last three years on a potential grand final where they've been, like you said, one of the best at the start of the season. But they falling either, off. Yeah, yeah, falling off due to COVID ending the season, injuries derailing them. So the perseverance for them, this could be it. And Melbourne play, get two weeks off. So they don't get to play that match simulation, match footy. Whereas Freo, they, it's like they won the first final, get a week off yeah, and go in the final. Yeah. So um, with Collingwood and Brisbane's gang and push back, it really, really helps Freo in this scenario. Yeah, it's probably the one that does does get helped, basically. So, yeah, no, it's really, it, it, you, are, you are right. And I didn't even think of it that way. But Freo, that's a big advantage for them coming into the next game. And, and I like the point of, Melbourne, they lose a bit of touch here. Yeah. Like they're going to lose a bit of touch as they can only train so much. Like as much as they're still going to be in some good form and everything like that, but match sometimes is different. Sometimes it does affect you a little bit having that week or two off, and sometimes it's a bit of a disadvantage losing that momentum coming into the finals, basically. Yeah. So And then you've got Adelaide playing the winner of Brisbane versus Collingwood. So. I see it as Brisbane beats Collingwood. Adelaide play two weeks off. We get a grand final rematch in Brisbane and Adelaide where Brisbane, yeah, they had their two weeks off before the final, but they played the game. So they're coming into Adelaide. They know they've beaten them in a big final. Yep. They, they've got confidence in it as well. So it could be a Brisbane free grand final just on this COVID affecting the game right now. So it's good for the AFLW because you get, no matter if you finish the season high, someone else can get up and win. But it's also bad for the AFL because we don't get the two best teams necessarily in the grand final. Yeah. Yes and no, but I also I also think it's bad more so because it's sort of dampening dampening the end of their season. Yeah. Like if it's been a really good season, there's you've seen some like really good players coming out of it. Uh, you've seen some up and coming players all season. Then you've seen teams coming back from, from the brink of sort of struggling to get into the finals. And then they say, for example, Frio, they really had a bad patch there, sort of dropped back with the with the rest of them. And then, yeah, now they've come out and put the sword to North and sort of it's going a bit 
bit missing because they've, now they've got another week off and now there's going to be just one one game for, for the next weekend. And so it's two weekends of just one game each. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's kind of hard to it's follow because yeah, yeah, it's going to get a bit lost in all the AFL games as well, starting as well. And not to say that it's taking it away from the AFLW, but only one game and only two teams in there, realistically, only majority of the supporters for those two teams are probably going to be the ones that are going to be tuning in yep. rather than everyone going, oh, yeah, let's watch that game. It's the final, blah, blah, blah. But hopefully everyone, like a lot more people still tune in and everything like that. But that that's the way I see it. I see it as it dampening it a little bit in that way just purely because it's taking it away from the AFLW. Yeah. No, I'm in, again, I'm in agreement with it. I, I, I think it's not the best thing that the AFL needs to do. I know why they did it. But that they should have um, measures and contingency plans for this not to happen. So yeah. that's where I'm. My view is on it. But enough with the AFLW. We're going to switch codes again. Yeah. I want to go to the NBA. I'm pretty sure the East is now set. I can't see any Washington jumping up on Atlanta in the 10th seed. But I just want to talk to you about the MVP battle with Jokic and Embiid. Giannis is getting left no, out. Yeah, no. Don't, Giannis is really getting don't left Don't ever out. leave Giannis out of the MVP race because... He's I, got better stats I, than Embiid and Jokic. And I will never leave Giannis out because, once again, like I've told you before, defense has to keep playing a part in this deciding factor. If if Giannis and Embiid, like you just said, have just, have just become... So now they're very similar um, in scoring and everything like that, and all their stats are pretty in line with each other, then then you got to add in the defensive factor. You have to add in that defensive factor that's going to decide the vote. And if Embiid is so-called this the top contender, Giannis has to be a so-called top contender because he he's the best player in the league. Well, let's, let's right now, Embiid and Giannis have 29.8 averaging points. Giannis averages more rebounds than Embiid. Yep. No, Giannis is a forward. He is a bit of a three and four. Yep. He's not a five, whereas Embiid's a five. Giannis is still getting 11.5, whereas Embiid's getting 11.3. Then the assists, Giannis is on 5.8, nearly six assists, where Joel Embiid's on four. Yeah. So he creates a lot more, and he's shooting so much better off on the field than Embiid is. So I go with Giannis all day. Yeah, realistically, you've got to go with Giannis. Like you just have to. Like yeah, he he's he's not the best player in the league for no reason. His shooting's probably better percentage wise, like you said. Assists better, rebounds better, scoring about the same, defense better. His team's still the number two seed, and he's definitely the the key player in that team. Like if he doesn't play, they struggle. Yeah, like no. they they big time struggle, and it's not like they don't have good players, but he is their key. He's a key guy. Like yep. he has to. If he doesn't play, they're nowhere near what the, the team they are right now. Yeah. Oh. Again. I yeah. Agree. Like it, it's. Yeah. I don't understand how he's being left out. It's because I, I get that Embiid has had another good it's season and the story and everything like that. And I guess it's kind of the same reason probably LeBron hasn't won more more MVPs as well at the same time, just purely because you know like. He's touted as the best player, so everyone thinks he should be doing everything better than everyone else. It's not so much the the uh, the whole the whole package of what you're getting in and 
what they're still doing with their teams, basically. So yeah, it's yeah, and then obviously Jokic is a is a whole different breed. It's really hard to put. I understand why Jokic can still be put above him, uh, Giannis and Embiid purely because as much as he does, he hasn't got the scoring numbers as they do, but then you look at the assist numbers, you look at still the rebound numbers. I'm pretty sure he's averaging a couple more rebounds than both of them. And yeah. he's definitely, he's probably averaging about eight more assists than but not so much, but you know what I he's mean? He's on like, 13, yeah. Yeah, so like he's, he's just, his numbers are ridiculous, and uh, Jokic, and, and that's where you've got it. And he's definitely carrying that team as well to, but then then the seeds maybe come in and play a part. Like he's in the fifth, sixth seed, whereas yeah. they're in the two, three well, seed. Well, most valuable should go to the player that's been the best for their team in yeah. their position. And, and then variable should come into it. And I still agree. With I think it should be well. out of Giannis and Jokic. Yeah. I, that's what I think because purely because Giannis is playing, I think he's had Not a better job. season than yes and no, but also his team has also gone 13 and two without yeah. Jar. So that will come into play as well. Whereas, as much as he's had an awesome season, I don't think he's had an MVP season. It's yeah. probably he's probably in that same boat as DeRozan, <clears throat> exact same position as DeRozan. Had an outstanding season, but compared to those guys, they're not. I don't think they're up to that caliber just yet. And, um, but yeah, I, I think you've got to have it's out of Jokic and Giannis. Yeah, oh, I agree. I think it. I think it's Giannis anyway. But let's get on to the, you touched on the state seedings. I want to focus just focus on the east side of yep. things because we talked about Embiid. Are they yep. trying not to get the two seed or the one seed? Are they trying to? You've got to you've got to be trying to avoid Brooklyn. Brooklyn you have to, and even a team that's getting hot like maybe um, uh, Hornets or uh, Hawks Atlanta, again. Yep. Try and vo- avoid Hawks so they don't play the scary Hawks. Like they're 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 right now they're stuck in the third seed when Milwaukee's at the two. But if they lose tomorrow, which they play the Heat, Heat have qualified for the number one spot. Yeah. But the Celtics are playing OKC at OKC. If they win, they flip. So Celtics go to three, and Philly go to four, and Philly play a Chicago Bulls team who are still struggling to get their players back. Yep. Instead of playing a potentially a Toronto team who are red hot right now. Yep. So is this a bit strategic by them? Because no matter what, they go versus Milwaukee or Brooklyn. At some stage. At yeah. some stage. Yeah. But I look at it this way, and I know you agree with me in this. If you think you're that good, you're that good. No one's going to beat you. Yeah. You can't be scared. If you're first and supposedly the best team, I go, well, bring it on. Let's see what you got. Yeah. There can't be any doubt in your mind. If you think your team is the best, then play it. Because if you're trying to purposely lose to go down the seedings, which I'm not saying that Philly are, it's a dangerous game because you could lose the locker room. Yep. Very dangerous. Game. It is true. It is true. But I also could see if they did it in the right way and if you if all the guys were on board and, and everything like that, I could kind of see it working because purely because you can't say that you can't say that even if you're the best team, if you're versing a little bit less teams and you get a much easier run to the finals, that that's not going to pay um pay benefits coming later into the into the postseason. Yeah. I, so, I agree with that, but that first round. Yeah. What's the difference between the first and the second round instead of going a second and a third round? I can because that's what potentially what LeBron did. Potentially yeah. I'm not saying that's what he did. I'm just yeah. saying that's you can make the argument LeBron did that. Yeah. But because if it falls the way it is, Toronto will play Milwaukee first round. 
and Brooklyn will verse Miami. Yeah. So there, that will be good matchups where Philly will verse Cleveland. Easy win. Cleveland are, are, are just splattering at see, the end. Once again, I still wouldn't call it an easy win because once again, once it gets to the you playoffs, can see once it gets wins. to the playoffs, they've been Cleveland have been outstanding this season. There's, there's, they've played some outstanding basketball and they can, they can clearly, clearly turn it on. And it's not just for one game. They could, they could definitely beat teams in, in a full playoff series. And the thing is, you've got to look at it like the postseason restarts. That's a, you're going to get rejuvenated coming into the playoffs. They might have hit a, hit a point where they're like, all right, we know we're kind of in. Yes, I know they're sort of dropping down the seeds and, and they definitely want to stay out of the play in tournament, but, but being knowing that they're definitely in around the playoffs and play in, I think that's kind of coming to play a little bit and they're sort of taking the foot off the gas just a little bit, sort of coming into, which isn't always a bad strategy. They're coming into the playoffs. You want to be kind of rested and, and ready to go. Uh, and yeah, like I said, it, it's a restart to the season. So you want to, you want to be like red hot, raring to go and, and fully healthy coming into your, into your playoff series. And planning to win. Well, the, the next tomorrow's not tomorrow's game. Well, sorry, not tomorrow's game. In two nights, it's Cleveland versus Toronto. So that could be the clinch the sixth seed game. Correct. So where we could see, and it's that Cleveland, we could see a potential. That would be a playoff like game. Yep. And if Cleveland fall to the seventh, I, I wouldn't say that's a failure for them, just because of the injuries that they've had. Yeah. And and it's only going to be one one win then to still be back. Yeah, in the exactly. Anyway, and if so. if you lose, let's say they lose to Brooklyn. Yep. <clears throat> which look Brooklyn should win. Let's be honest here. Yep. I'm I would not be afraid of Charlotte and Atlanta. Like you've got the bodies to rebound because Jared Allen will be back yep. by playoffs. Mm-hmm. Mobley will get a bit more. Oh, this is playoff basketball. Like like yep. you said, rejuvenate. Marketing get some shots up. Love is that experienced contender. Whereas Charlotte hasn't been there. If Charlotte end up being like Lamella Ball ends up being Trey Young, which that in itself is a pretty Appetizing matchup, yep. but it's uh, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be scared of that matchup. And if they do play, if Cleveland say Brooklyn wins the first playoff and then Cleveland win the second, that's not the team Miami want to face in round one because that height really disrupts um, Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. Yeah, it does, and, and that that's probably going to be one of the big um, one of their sort of kryptonites, like you've yeah. been saying, like in. That's going to be hard for them to spread out. Like to, they, they've got to play a bit taller than they are, and that's every single player on their roster. It can't just be Jimmy and Bam playing taller. It it's going to and say PJ Tucker. Like it can't be just those three. It's going to be then. Then you got to add in your point guard and your shooting Tyler guard. Harris got yeah, to like turn up. Yeah, like he's got to then play play defense on taller opponents. <laughs> Kyle Lowry's going to play after because they huge. switched. They switched so, on everything. Yep. So. You, you've got to account for that, and that's going to be tough. Because uh, they got three, uh, sorry, they got four players that can go in the post and seal them down low, and you can get fouls really quickly. Yeah. So you could get a Jimmy Butler getting sealed by Kevin Love. You can get a Mobley getting sealed on a Kyle Lowry. You can get um, Jared Allen, um, Laurie Markinen. Like the yep. list is goes on. Okoro, if he's on, he can yep. seal up. So if they do a lot of switches, which Miami do. Could cause a lot of problems, but I'm in agreement with you. I think with Philly to go back to the Philly topic, yep. Philly for me are purposely just trying to get find that easy plat team in the in this in their playoff yep. rotation. 
But if they fall to fourth, I would not want to play Bulls, especially if they do get their players yeah. back. I mean, if they get Lonzo... They don't run now. Yeah. So they ain't running against them. Yeah, and if they if they get Lonzo back by, for the playoffs, they're, they're going to be still scary. They're going to be a sleeper again. And well, once again, if they get their players back, Caruso is just starting to find his feet again now. Yep. Um, still time before playoffs. Lonzo comes in. We know he's going to pick up where he left off on defense. He might need to find a bit of his touch around the ring and everything like that. But but I think they can handle him distributing and and playing really good defense on say a James Harden or something like that, where they can really utilize utilize him. And well, Brooklyn ran ran yeah. Philly. Yeah, they, they didn't want to chase. Leg, so. What does Chicago do best? Run. Yeah, they got no matchup for me. They got no matchup for DeRozan. Like if yeah. I if I'm DeRozan, I see James Harden. I'm going barbecue chicken. I'm going to eat yeah. my fingers. And I'm going to get my fucking ten points. So yeah. I think they're just in the zone. Oh, sorry, not ten points, thirty points. <laughs> I was like ten points in a minute. I was trying to think of something yeah. weird. But no, I think Chicago looking at the standings, going, yeah, keep keep losing. Yeah. We'll take you. Come back to us. Yeah, we'll go um, Miami or the winner of Cleveland in the first round. Yeah. And we could take it up to them because that's the path that they need and that's Chicago's way of getting it. Yep. Um, and then I just want to touch before we move over to the West, but on um, on Brooklyn, is Ben Simmons actually going to play this season? I did have my quips about it. Yep. But I've had some inside word, Ash. Okay. He's playing. He's he'll playing. Be, he'll be playing next week. Next week. Yes. The okay. thing is, he's going to play three games before the playoffs, get into the system. He's in full contact training at the moment. Wash has reported it. That's my source. So he's in that Brooklyn are just being precautionate with his mental health, not rushing him back. Let it. Ben Simmons wants to play. Like he's told the Nets GM, Sean Marks, I want to play now. Yeah. And Marks is like, no, you're a fit, you're an investment to this team. Yeah, let's ease you back in. Let's not rush you. Let's let's not force you. You don't have to be anything but Ben Simmons. That's all you have to be. Yeah. So, but I which think, I think is going to be really good for him as well. So yeah. So he's actually got the support from a franchise backing him in, and he look. It's not what they need right now, Brooklyn. Brooklyn are handling their business with Durant going off for sixty yep. and fifty. So yeah. and Kyrie but, Irving's cut. Yeah, was well, that well. that's the thing I was going to say though with Kyrie Irving still and. I think he's gonna in the, once he gets to the playoffs. I think he's gonna be able to play. Every, he's gonna yeah. play every game. But in saying that, if they can get Ben Simmons and utilize all three of them at the same time, or if Kyrie isn't playing for, which is still a, I guess you could say it's a fifty-fifty. I think it's more of a seventy-thirty. Yeah, that he's that he's gonna play. But if he doesn't for for some reason, or he gets injured, having Ben Simmons there is gonna be a massive nice massive. Advantage to them and and create and the amount of defense and and advantages they have on defense with Ben Simmons, like we've discussed before, is just massive. So he's going to be a crucial part to their big playoff run. As you said in earlier pods, you don't want him playing in the playoffs as his first games because it just ruins the chemistry. And then you got to try and find out where he lies in the in the playoffs, where it should just be playing the season, figure where you're at, watch film, see where you're at, get to playoffs. This is what we're doing. Correct. Whereas not oh, yeah, trying to figure out yeah. while you're playing an intense game yeah. and, and with a lot on the line. Yeah, with a lot all, on the line. All games are on the line, and but, especially if they're, they're going to be able to play in tournament, they're not going to have any time to mess around or or lose. So they have to win, and then it's going to be a matter of can, what what can they do from there. I don't really want to go to the West. We've talked about the West enough in terms of. Phoenix, Grizzlies, Warriors, and yep. even Dallas. Well, that, where, what I want to talk about just quickly is Golden State. Yep. Is 
with Steph Curry going down um, with, the, with the hand injury as one, is that going to affect his shooting if he does come back? Has to. Two, how does that affect chemistry and um, time slots for game time, um, rotations, everything, even when he does come, if he does come back? I see it like this. I see, all right, Curry gets injured for two weeks. Golden State Warriors are a system-based team. Let Draymond run the point. Have Jordan Poole start with Clay. <clears throat> have Looney start as well. Yep. And get Jordan Poole the ball. Let him cook for two weeks. See where he's at. Get Kaminga on the court. See where he's at. Get Moody, who's a high lottery pick. Yeah. Get him the ball. You're not losing anything right now. Yeah. You're getting two weeks to dabble, like we said with the Ben Simmons team. You're two weeks to dabble because they're such a systematic team and everyone knows what to do. Get Steph Curry the ball or Draymond the ball to be effective. Yep. And then if worse comes to worse and you can't find those two, you've got Clay Thompson. Yeah. That's their system. So their system is well is it's their bread and butter. That's what they're relying on. So you can dabble with your system in these two weeks, give the opportunities to Kaminga, give your opportunities to Moody, but most importantly, get Jordan Poole going. Get him hot for the playoffs. Get I him think, running right. I think that's a, the other person they need to get going and sort of trying to get back to 85%. He's yeah. probably running a little bit lower than that is Clay Thompson. Yep. And obviously still taking care of Draymond Green. But, um, yeah, Clay Thompson, he's had some up and down since he's coming back. He definitely doesn't look as agile on defense. And we, we all know that was going to happen when he yeah. came back. He's had too long off to just come back and beat Clay Thompson. But, but he's also sometimes a little bit of a liability now yes, where he yeah. used to be he used to be the guy that they could go to. So I'm not sure if maybe his role might change come playoffs as being that maybe that second guy they go to for a defensive stop and Andrew Wiggins now takes that spot, yeah. uh, which he has all season before Clay season, came back. Yeah. But, but the fact that Clay's back, you can't just go, yeah, Clay, that's your job now. Like you're, you're back in. You, you take that job again yep. now. I, I think Wiggins has done a really good job. He's an all-star starter. I think he's doing he's done a really good job for it. And I think that he has to keep that spot because Clay definitely doesn't look himself on defensive end. And hopefully he gets back to gets back to that. But I don't think that's happening this season. You do, yeah, you just let him let him take the back seat. Just have the honest conversation with Clay. Clay is by all reports, he's Pretty calm, meaner dude. He does what needs to be done. Yeah, he's a very big team man. Yeah, so if you say, look, Clay, we want to protect you for our investment, want to look after you, then so be it. But, yeah, I I think let Wiggins and Draymond take the main defensive things. Expose Kaminga right now. Let him guard the best defenders. Yep. Let him get going. Making him that 3D guy with that explosiveness, like that's what you – I don't think that's what you need. I think it's more that's what you can do. You're not going to lose. Yeah, they can they can bring that. They can give themselves other avenues yeah. to go when it comes to playoffs. It's, quite, it's a working. big blessing in disguise, I think, because yep. you're giving exposure to the young lottery picks that you've picked up in Wiseman, in yep. Moody, in Kaminga, bring in Jordan Poole. Like it's like it's a rebuild in a championship yeah. run. Like you don't get that. Like it's just yep. so it's, unheard of. Yeah. So See, that's where I'm at with them, but just. On East, yep. Utah, staying under the radar. Haven't done it. On like, the West, you mean? On the West, sorry. <laughs> um, you threw me yeah. up for a second there. I was like, ah. You, you have been big on Rudy Gobert and that. 
he's now defending the perimeter a bit more. He's now getting a bit you're, active. You're noticing it now. Yeah, right? he, yeah. He's, but he's getting right under because of what Charles Barkley's come out and said, just rip Rudy Gobert, Rudy Gobert. It's like, no, no, no. I am one of the best centers in the league and I'm going to show you. So he's adding that component. So it's finally clicked with him that he has to go out there and makes Utah, like you said, if he does that, they put, make themselves a contender. Yep. He's now done that. Now Conley needs to come and bring the 18 points a game um, yep. and the defense that he's well renowned for. I think he's carrying, carrying an injury. Like yep. all play, all point guards are doing right now, but I think that's where he's at right now. But yeah, I'm big on what Rudy Gobert's been doing. So I, well think, done, I think I think don't sleep on Conley either, uh, my man Conley. Yeah, I, I think I he, think he'll he be, looks half a pace off. He'll be he'll be kind of resting up a little bit yeah. for the playoff run as well. I think they're kind of locked into where they're at anyway. Yeah. I don't think they can really move. So um, I think he's probably just playing it playing it safe and and getting himself probably almost right while still playing um, and, yeah, still keeping his touch, but probably sort of taking a little bit of a foot off the off the pedal to get himself right. Yeah. He is getting old as well. So, yeah, he is definitely um, getting old. Well, last, last thing on top of the NBA before we finish off. Yeah. Um, let's be honest. It's a Phoenix series to lose. They're, they're the hot See, I don't I – don't, I don't – I still don't think that. I still think they can be beaten, though. But it's not like it's a sure thing. I don't think they're the out-and-out best team, like even in even in the west, uh, in the east. Sorry, I think there's still teams in there that can beat Phoenix. I, I really, really don't think that it's just a hundred percent Phoenix is to lose. Okay, so uh, it's I, kind I, of throwing me off because I'm trying to think which team in the west, especially with Curry going down. Well, that's what I think the Grizzlies can really compete with Phoenix. I think they have all the matchups to go with them. Yeah. I think like you, you look at even the center, the, the center position. Stephen Adams can can take Aiton and he can really disrupt. He, he can really disrupt him and he's not going to get the looks that he's used to. Um, then then you got Jaron Jackson. Jaron Jackson Jr., who adds then another element to that defense of Aiton and and any sort of protection near that ring. I really think as well, Jaron Jackson Jr. could be the one, say Chris Paul tries to come in for that elbow, elbow shot. Jaron Jackson Jr. is agile enough and big enough to get a stop on that. I, I really think he's the he's that guy that can do that. Jar Morant, Desmond Bain, I think they go really well with, against Chris Paul and Devin Booker. They both play really good defense and they got they get really good shots. Yep. One for their teammates and they can create their own shots as well. And I, I think the Grizzlies really match up well against Phoenix and they bat just as deep. Yep. It's not like it falls away and then Phoenix go, yes, our second team's on, come get us. They've got other guys, Brandon Clark, and that's coming off the bench now. Yep. He was a starter and and he was a good starter. He's still doing damage on my fantasy so, team, but, so I'm okay with it. But that's what I mean. Like you've got, you've got these guys coming off the bench that were starters. Then – I'm sorry, but Grizzlies have a forgotten man, and he's he's definitely overlooked in Dylan Brooks. And everyone is forgetting how good that guy can be. And if they get a starting lineup lineup of Ja Morant, Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Stephen Adams, that is an elite lineup. And people are forgetting how good Dylan Brooks was in the playoff run last season. Yeah, he was because <laughs> he was he was the star, not Ja Morant. Dylan Brooks was the star, and he showed he showed apart from that one game that John Morant really took off, but Dylan Brooks was the guy that led that team. 
And um, if he can get back to anywhere near healthy and he gets back to that, and he's a really good two-way player as well, it just adds another element to the Grizzlies. And depending on how they can overcome the the playoff factor of um, experience in that in that zone, they they could. I think they're going to be a really good matchup against Phoenix and stuff. A complete agreement. I'm happy with it. I just want to touch on what month is it, Ash? March. March. So March Madness. Okay. I did my brackets. Yeah, I know you're pretty love, confident on my brackets. Pretty confident on my um on my brackets. And then St. Peter's went and just stuffed everything <laughs> up. They've won two games. They're a 15 seed. They've won two games. They're in the sweet 16. It is absolute bollocks. Boy, <laughs> oh, it's so frustrating because they knocked off Kentucky who I had winning. <laughs> just to finish off on a negative. Just to really, really just mess everything up. It really they? did. So it, it took them nine games in the bracket to have zero perfect brackets. In out of a hundred and something million people doing it, so nine games where it's yeah. happened. So upsets galore. And speaking of upsets, just looked at the fantasy. You just caused a big one in your playoff playoffs, and you got the big win on yours. So you're in the next round. That's always <laughs> nice, especially when I haven't even looked at it. So I reckon I would have had a few players missing too. Yeah, so that was uh, that's nice to hear. I might uh, might actually make an effort this week <laughs> and really put put my foot down and and get going in the playoffs. Um, but yeah, so I think that's it for the week. Uh, we had a bit of tech- technical if- issues last week, so there'll be two podcasts coming out this yep. uh, tonight. Um, and then uh, obviously stay tuned as well for next week. We're planning on doing another redraft, so uh, it'll be a toss up between AFL and the NBA. We're not too sure, but you'll have to you have to tune in and find out. And then just on that, we've got a something brewing in the in the background as well. Something special, something. Different, completely different to what we do now. So keep an eye out for the promotions on that as well. Okay. Um, yeah, don't forget to obviously follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Um, keep keep listening to us on Spotify or uh, wherever you get your podcasts. And then, uh, yeah, let's let's uh, see everyone next week for, for a big week. Sounds good. See you. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.